Two weeks ago, we covered Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Didn't cover it, but we talked about it. And then last week, we discussed a little bit more of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And so tonight, we'll be doing Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So we're moving right along here. And uh, tonight, we're going to be discussing the Spirit of God. Because it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right here, just in the second verse of the entire Bible, God's Spirit is introduced. And in Hebrew, it's Ruach Elohim. So we saw Elohim being the title or the name or the word that's used for God in verse 1. And now we see it here again in verse 2. So first two verses, that's the word that God inspired Moses to use, Elohim. And so here with the Ruach on it, it's the Spirit of God. Now the Ruach, the word Ruach, the name, or the, uh, yeah, the word Ruach, uh, is interpreted in the Bibles many different ways, sometimes with a capital S, such as in the Spirit of God, or Spirit of the Lord, or Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's used with a lowercase uh, s, such as in His Spirit, Spirit of Wisdom, Spirit of Jacob, or of many different people, Evil Spirit, Anguish of spirit, troubled spirit, spirit of jealousy, lying spirit. So sometimes it's just a reference to his inner feelings, inner emotions, his spirit. He was troubled, he was troubled inside, he was worried, feeling anxious. Uh, or an evil angel, an evil spirit, a lying spirit, a spirit of jealousy, a, a demon. And then other times, Ruach is translated as wind, breath, mind, courage, even the word cool. So lots of different ways this Ruach, so anyone who says they know all about the Ruach, they can, you know, they have it all down pat, it is a topic that we will be understanding and learning for eternity. Right? God is much greater and much bigger than we can understand with our finite minds. And so we'll just try and scratch the surface a little bit today and look at some Bible text that specifically talk about the Spirit of God. That'll be our focus, the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Lord or Holy Spirit, all the same. But when those terms are used to give us a little bit of an understanding and more than hopefully than just an understanding to be able to experience the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some verses in Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? In Exodus 31, verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, referring to the one leading out the work of the building of the tabernacle. So here it's saying that God's Spirit was within them and came upon them, filled them. In Isaiah 63, verse 10 and 11, he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? So not only individuals, but a whole group of individuals all at the same time. 
So the Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit, is able to be omnipresent, filling, entering into several people, many people, all at the same time. In Luke chapter 1, verse 67, a whole family, John's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Luke chapter 1, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary at the babe, John, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, he will, referring to John, he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will not drink alcohol. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So John was filled even as an infant, even while still in the mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Judges chapter 3, verse 10, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Othanelm, and he judged Israel. And Judges 6, 34, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. 11, uh, Judges eleven twenty nine, 29, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And Judges 14, 6, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, just to name a few. And so we've already covered, and we'll cover some more, uh, 10 people and a group of people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit came upon. And all of these that we've looked at so far, and again, we'll look at several more, all of these were filled with the Holy Spirit. And going back to Genesis chapter 2, verse, oh, chapter 1, verse 2, where the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, all of this is taking place before Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples at Shavuos. Some people teach and think that the Holy Spirit wasn't outpoured until then. And only for the one last one-third of history did the Holy Spirit have any interaction with humanity. But we've already seen a whole bunch of times where he has filled people and worked through them. And so let's look at some more. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And David prayed in Psalm 51, 11, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And so, Holy Spirit was able to fill people, and David's praying, Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, indicating that it is possible to lose the Holy Spirit, to send away the Holy Spirit, to reject the Holy Spirit. And we see uh, an exact case of that in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. The Spirit of God came upon Saul. And then 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul, and then the Holy Spirit eventually left Saul because of choices that Saul made, sending him away, pushing him away. We have other texts along this line. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, before we continue with this grieving of the Holy Spirit, I want to look here at this sealing uh, by the Holy Spirit. Sealed by whom you were sealed for the day of your redemption. Some people think that the Holy Spirit is the seal of God. But that's not what it says. It says, it's by whom you were sealed. So he is not the seal. He is the one who does the sealing. And there is a difference. And I'll give you an example here. So we have some pictures here. So we have a, a seal here, right? And then we have 
the plastic item that did the sealing. <laughs> right? So that was the plastic stamps, stamp some ink onto a paper, old-fashioned one where it would emboss the paper and clamp down on it and would put the seal and into the paper itself. Here's a modern version. These are the sealers. Right? Those are what put the seal upon the paper, but the actual seal is, for an example, where it has the person's name, their title, here, so for this example, Benjamin Franklin, uh, a notary of the public, and of his territory, the state of Texas, again in that example. And so the Spirit of God, and we'll cover the Spirit of God in a few more weeks, uh, I mean the seal of God in a few more weeks as we'll come to that topic. That is where God is identified, his name is identified, his title is identified, and his territory is identified. And that is an indication as what God's seal is. And what does the sealing is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, again, is the instrument or the power or the person that does the sealing. It is, he is not the seal. The seal is a whole other issue. Again, just like that example there. And again, we'll cover that in another few weeks. So it's important for us to know their roles, right? So the seal has a specific role, and the Holy Spirit has a specific role. They're two different things. And so again, we'll get into that. But the Holy Spirit, uh, of course, has that important role of putting God's stamp upon us, putting God's seal upon us, putting God's identification upon us. But we can grieve him. As the text says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, And they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. And so, the Holy Spirit was grieved out of a group of people there. And Luke chapter 12, verse 10, To him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So it's become known as the unpardonable sin. Right? There's a lot of questions and uh, discussion about what is the unpardonable sin. Right? And we're going to look at that now. We're going to want to know the, the question, what is the grievous sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that is unforgivable? What is this unpardonable sin that's mentioned, that's brought out here? And as we look at this, we're going to see in just a few verses, it's really quite simple. It's really quite plain as we look at the text itself. Now, the, we're going to look at what the role of the Holy Spirit is and what it would mean and how we could grieve. Now, could it be murder? I mean, that's a pretty horrible thing. Well, we know that Moses committed murder. We know that David committed mur murder, and they were both forgiven. Could it be adultery? That's a pretty horrendous sin. We well, you know David committed adultery and was forgiven. So obviously those are not the unforgivable sins. So what could be so much worse than those that could possibly be unforgivable? What could it possibly be that is this unpardonable sin? So let's look at some text here. John chapter 16, verse 8. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So that's one of the roles, and we'll get into some of the roles that are mentioned in the Bible of what the Holy Spirit does. So one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does is that he convicts the world of sin, 
of righteousness and of judgment. That's very important for us to understand. Understanding his role and his work. Some people think the Holy Spirit is given just to make us feel good. But when we're under conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment to come, it's usually not a great feeling. It brings along guilt and, and shame. And the purpose is, is to lead us to the Messiah to receive forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so the Word of God is the tool, is the weapon that the Holy Spirit uses to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Or one of his tools is the sword of the Spirit. He also speaks to people's minds, he speaks to their hearts, and brings that conviction to us. And then we're told in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so if we confess our sins, we receive forgiveness, right? And cleansed from all unrighteousness. And who is it that brings us to Confession of sin, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and convicts of righteousness, of what is right and what is unright, what is right and what is wrong, what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Right? And so it stands to reason that if we confess our sins, we receive forgiveness. Thus, if we do not confess our sins, then we do not receive forgiveness. Right? And so if we do not confess our sins, if we refuse to confess our sins, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin, who are we saying no to? The Holy Spirit. Right? We are rejecting the Holy Spirit's impression upon our minds and hearts. We are resisting his word. We are resisting his impressions, his conviction his, that he brings upon us. We are excusing away that guilt. We're coming up with with uh, reasons, we're, we're uh, excusing it away. Well, my sin is not as bad as their sin, her sin, his sin, you know. And uh, I've seen a lot, a whole lot worse than this. And it's not that bad. It's just a little sin anyway. It's just a few times. I'll get over it someday. I'll confess it sometime. I'll gain victory someday. Put it off. Really can't be that bad. God's merciful anyway. He knows I'm just flesh. He knows I'm just human anyway. I come up with all these lame excuses instead of just confessing the sin. And every time we do that, we are saying no to the Holy Spirit. We are grieving the Holy Spirit. And so what is the sin that can't be forgiven? It tells us if we confess our sin, we will be forgiven, right? The condition is confession of sin. And then the reward is forgiveness. So what is the sin that can't be forgiven? The one not confessed. It's that simple, right? If you don't confess it, you can't be forgiven, right? right? What's the thing that you didn't purchase? The thing you didn't pay for, right? You don't pay for it, you didn't purchase it, right? It's that simple. If you don't confess it, you're not forgiven. If you do confess it, you are 
forgiven. It's that simple. And so the blasphemy, the rejection, the denial, the grieving of the Holy Spirit is the refusal to confess the sins that he has convicted us of. It's that simple. And it could be anything then. It could be murder. could be adultery. could be pride. could be jealousy. It could be lying. It could be selfishness. It could be greed. It could be anything. Whatever he is convicting us on at that point in time in our life. And if we refuse it on a continual basis, he's very merciful. He'll continue and continue and continue to convict us. But like the alarm clock that we ignore and ignore and ignore, eventually we don't even hear it anymore. And eventually we don't hear him anymore. We push him away so far. We seal our ears so much that we're really hardening our heart that we do not hear him unless we are grieving him, breaking his heart, not allowing him to do his job, and that's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. And it's blasphemy and it can't be forgiven because it won't be confessed. Because we've convinced ourselves that it's really not that bad or it's not sin anyway. Or that all sins, it doesn't matter. God's done away with the law or whatever other lousy, lying excuse that we've been fed. And then if we don't confess, then we won't be forgiven. It's that simple. Let's continue on. So that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. So why does the Spirit of God come upon or fill people? Luke chapter 3, verse 21, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And Luke Chapter 4, verse 1, And Yeshua, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And so the Holy Spirit descended upon Yeshua, and he was led in the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit leads, led Yeshua, guide and direct him, even to be tempted, even into the wilderness. And we see here in this Luke chapter 3, verse 21 text, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. Yeshua was in the water. The Holy Spirit was descending. And the Father of Elohim was speaking, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So three different locations. The Elohim of God, the unity of God that we discussed last week. In another text in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So just as the Holy Spirit led Yeshua, the Holy Spirit will lead us as we surrender and become children of God. We become followers of Yeshua, disciples of Yeshua. He will lead and direct us by convicting us and revealing right and wrong to us and leading us through and past the judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it is the Holy Spirit that transforms us into God's image. Now, were you created in the image of God? 
Adam and Eve, and we'll get into that in another couple chapters. Adam and Eve, or another chapter, Adam and Eve were created in God's image. But here it says that we, you and me, have to be transformed into the image of God. So you and me and everyone after Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve departed from God's image, rejected God's image, decided to take on Satan's image, tried to decide to listen to Satan instead, from then on we need to be transformed into God's image, back into the image that he originally planned for mankind. And he does that step by step from glory to glory, day by day, transforming us more and more. So the Holy Spirit works on both sides of our confession of sin. He's the one who convicts us of sin, which leads us to Yeshua to receive the forgiveness of sins because of his sacrifice in our behalf. And then when we come out of that side forgiven, then it's the Holy Spirit that then empowers us, transforms us, changes us to keep us from sinning that same sin in the future. So very important roles. Very important. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The spirit, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So he transforms us into the image of God, and this is the image of God. This is a description of the image of God. And he strengthens us within the inner man. He comes into us, so after we've allowed the sins to come out, as we've confessed the sins, given them over to Yeshua, allowed them to be killed with him, that empties us, and then he's able to fill us. And the more we confess and the more we empty of sin, the more he's able to fill us with. And then he starts filling us and strengthening us inside, from the inside out, to live these characteristics in us and out of us. Making us loving. Giving us joy. Giving us the ability to have peace regardless of the circumstances making us patient and the ability to suffer a long time <laughs> with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with our relatives, with those we come in contact with, our frenemies and everything. To be kind even to our enemies. To be kind to everyone. Be filled with goodness and faithfulness, consistency, faithful, and faithful to the Lord. And with gentleness, but not wishy-washy or walked over, but in gentleness and self-control. Being able to control self, control the passions, control the desires, and make wise choices and gives us the power to stick by those choices. We can't do any of those things in our own strength. See, when we deny the Holy Spirit or we think the Holy Spirit's role is just to make us feel good, or have no idea what the Holy Spirit's role is, we're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. We will know we should be happy. We should know we should be joyful. We should know we should rejoice in the Lord always. We know we should be loving. We know we should be forgiving. We know we should be uh, long-suffering. But we don't have the power to do so. And that puts us in a horrible position of knowing what to do but not having the power to do so. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world. It's the real difference between legalism and righteousness. Some people think legalism is, is, is anyone who thinks that we should be good, <laughs> to do right, to follow the word of God. That's not legalism if it's done through the Holy Spirit. If it's done by our own power, by our own will, by our own grit, by our own trying, well, then that's legalism and misery. But if we're living out the word of God, allowing the word of God to be lived out through us by the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's joy. It's him doing it. It's easy. He's filling us. He's strengthening us. He's transforming us. He's doing the work. We're just the instrument. We're just the glove. He's the hand doing all the work. He's the power source. How vital it is for us to have that Holy Spirit strengthening us inside and transforming and allowing the fruits to just manifest out of us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 11, verse 5, The Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak! In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. So in all three of these verses, we see the purpose of the Holy Spirit filling us is to preach, to speak, to share the word of God, to share God's love with others, to share God's love with a lost world. So the Holy Spirit fills us to be able to fulfill his purpose of sharing God with the world, sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, of God with the world, allowing him to be seen and known so that others can experience his love and his joy and his peace and his grace. And that is one of the ways that we can tell whether or not we're filled with the Holy Spirit. People think it's by manifesting some gift or something. The true test of being filled with the Holy Spirit is whether or not we have a passion and a burden for the lost whether or not we're willing to be used by him in sharing him, sharing God with others. Now, it might be through preaching, it might be through speaking, it might be through telling, it might be through one-on-one -on -one conversations, or it could be in lots of other ways too. It could be in a social media post, it could be in an email, it could be uh, in a bumper sticker, it could be um, in... Uh, yeah, talking where you work, and just interacting, how we live. It could be bringing a loaf of bread to your neighbor. It could be uh, greeting a new neighbor, a new person in the neighborhood. Various different ways God manifests his truth in preaching and sharing and coming in contact with other people and living out his love. That is the true test of the Holy Spirit. Uh, an example, when I was... Uh, Fairly young believer, I, uh, God was filling me and I was sharing him everywhere I was, people at work, and they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> everywhere I went, I was sharing God with others. And, and then I was led to, to attend a, a Bible college, or live-in Bible college, and so I went to the college. And, 
and I still was wanting to share. And so, you know, at breakfast in the cafeteria, I'm telling people, and well, we already heard of that, you know. And, and so then in the, in the classroom or in, or in the dorm, oh, we already heard that. And I got tired of telling people who already heard. And I started to get withdrawals. I started getting the shakes. I said, we've got to tell somebody that hasn't heard the word of God, the power of God, the glory of God. So I told a bunch of people, I said, let's get some books. Let's go to the library. The books are just sitting there. Let's go take some and get permission and take them out to the street. And so we gathered up some magazines and books and Bibles. And, and we went into town and, and still stood on a corner. And everyone who came by, we offered a Bible to and had some powerful experiences. And prayed with people. And, and we've got to get out and got to share the word of God with those who don't know it. So nice and comfortable to just sit and talk among ourselves. That's not a test of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's when we feel compelled to share him with others. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? They're mentioned in uh, three different books of the Bible. Start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. In Romans 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And so he has given us his gifts, he's given us these, we'll take a look at them in a second. But they're different. There's lots of different ones. We don't all have the same one or the same ones. And so God has gifted you with something. It doesn't mean he's gifted everyone else with that same thing. He's done that on purpose. Kind of like, again, as we talked about last week, the differences of the body. All have different roles working together. And God wants us to work together using these various different gifts dependent on each other, doing our part and them doing their part to make the full picture, the full puzzle of God, all pieces put together so they can see God in the unity of it all. Just again, this unity of Elohim coming all together. And so there are different gifts. People think everyone has to have the same gift. That's not what it says. Everyone has different gifts. And the purpose of the gifts is for the profit of all, not for the profit of one, not for the benefit of one, not for just myself, but it's for the benefit of everyone, and especially for the lost. So let's take a look at this list here in these three chapters. Again, from 1 Corinthians 12, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues. Now, of course, when it says tongue, it's not talking about the tongue in the mouth, right? It's talking, like it says, to every nation, to every tongue, language, to every people, to every tribe, right? The gospel is going to go to all the various different groups, whatever language they speak, whatever tribe they're of, whatever nation they're of, right? To all the world, right? So languages. So discerning spirits to tongues, languages, and the interpretation of languages. Romans 12, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, prophecy, ministry, teachings, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, and Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, ministers, teachers, evangelists, for the equipping for the work. What is the work? Spread the word. Spread the word. Exactly. That's right. Because the, spirit, uh, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, right? For the spreading of the word, right? So he gives us, he equips us 
for that one purpose, to share, the, share God with the world, to glorify the Father and the Son. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. fills us so that they can be glorified and seen in us. And so we have the differing of the gifts according to the grace that is given to us. It's not ours. It's not, I have the gift of. It's the Holy Spirit has the gift of, and he has filled me and used me for today. Now, the only one that's mentioned in all three of these chapters to these three different cities that Paul wrote to, the only one is prophecy. And we know that not everyone prophesied. Not everyone had the gift of prophecy, right? There are people in the Bible who did not have the gift of prophecy. Some had the gift of prophecy, some did. And some had it for a time. They only wrote one chapter. Some of the prophets only wrote a few verses. Some of the prophets didn't write any verses that are recorded in the Bible. And so they had it as the Spirit gave it for a purpose and for a time. I didn't mean, oh, I've got the gift of prophecy. I'm going to prophesy today. I'm going to prophesy tomorrow. I'm going to prophesy right now. You want a prophecy? I'll give you a prophecy. I'll sell you a prophecy. How much you got? No, it's not what, how it works. It's not ours to use and control. The Holy Spirit controls us. He fills us. He hovers over the waters. He fills us. He comes upon us. And then he manifests his spirit for his working, for his glory, so that people can come to know God. Not for us. Not for self exaltation in any way, shape, or form. So prophecy is the only one that he told to all three cities. And there's two, I think it's ministry and teaching, that he told to two of the cities. And that's it. That's it. But there are people who say, everybody has to have this one. Well, then why didn't Paul tell all three of those cities that they all had to have that one? No, he gets different gifts, for different people, at different times, all for the purpose of the edifying of the body, for the equipping, for the work, for the benefit of all, for the profit of all, for the sharing of the gospel with the world. Make sense? Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. There's a prophecy regarding Yeshua. The Holy Spirit coming upon him. Because the Lord has anointed me. That anointed word is Moshiach, the Messiah. He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. How does he preach? To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, that he may be glorified. So the Holy Spirit came upon Yeshua for all of these reasons, for all of these purposes, and the same upon us. He comes upon us so that he inspires us, compels us to preach good tidings to the poor. And again, sometimes that's in bringing food or, or ministering in some way, shape, or form, or helping hand, or helping your neighbor move a bed or a chair or something like that, or any way, shape, or form manifesting God's love and helping others. And as well with words and as well with the word of God at the appropriate time, the appropriate place, and the appropriate way to heal hearts, comfort people who are disappointed, who are lonely, who are struggling, who are grieving, who are sad. God has called us as his family with our various different gifts. He doesn't call any one of us to minister to everybody but each to play their little role 
in ministering and doing our part together to give glory to the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So another role of the Holy Spirit is to bring us together in unity together, bringing all these gifts that he has blessed each person with and bringing us together as a mishpocha of God, a family of God. The unity of God, the oneness of God. Again, God is one, this unique plural, and he wants us to be one as children of God in this unique plural way, this unified way. Coming together as a single temple with him as the chief cornerstone and each of us as fit stones in that temple. Some being stones, some being doors, some being windows, some being lentils or whatever part he has for us to play in his temple and building up his temple for him, for a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit so he can be lived out in us. Not again, just floating around individuals, just out there and just uh, bouncing around, but coming together body of God and family of God unified together. That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit in homes and families, congregations to make us one, giving us the ability to be loving and kind and long-suffering with one another, our different personalities and our different opinions coming together in our different stages of growth in the Lord and yet coming together in mercy and in love and in helpfulness and encouraging one another and building one another up in the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, referring to that Yeshua, Yeshuvuot, uh, after Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection, Peter said to them, Repent and be immersed in the name of Messiah Yeshua for the removal of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So Peter mentions two conditions. Repent and be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, Messiah Yeshua. And then we will receive two gifts. The removal of your sins, the forgiveness of sins. And secondly, and you'll receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. So it's the Holy Spirit that brought conviction, that caused them to cry out, what must we do? So the conviction came. Peter then responded, telling them to repent, to receive the forgiveness. And if they confess their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness and to be immersed, demonstrating that death to self, that death to the old nature, the death to the old ways, the removal of sins, the washing away of sins, and the coming up out of the water in newness of life. And they would receive two gifts. The removal of sins, the forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Elohim, the Ruach HaKadosh. Now, if you went to a store and you bought two items, and let's say the, each item was $10, and you gave the person two $10 bills, and you walked out with one item, 
and you got to the car and you went to put that bag in the car and you looked inside and you noticed there was only one item inside? You paid for two items, but you only walked out with one item? What would you do? Go back with the receipt and say, look, I, I paid for two and I only got one. I've done that. <laughs> you know? I said, yeah, it's been sitting here. <laughs> We're waiting for you to come back. And so you come back and you get the item and you take it with you, right? Well, there, I believe there are a lot of people who've met the two conditions and have walked away with only one of the items. They've repented of their sins. They've confessed their sins. By God's grace, they've turned from their sins. They've been immersed. They've received the forgiveness of God, but they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They're trying real hard to be good, trying to gain victory over sin, but struggling with the same sin over and over and over and over again, confessing it and confessing it and confessing it, but never gaining the victory because they're not accepting and relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit going around with the name of a believer, child of God, but have no burden, no interest in sharing him with others. Not allowing the Holy Spirit to live in them, any of the gifts of the Spirit, and manifest out of them. Only walked away with one item. And if that applies to you tonight, then in a moment when we pray, ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and go back and get that item that was left. Go back and get the Holy Spirit. Open your heart and mind to receive the Holy Spirit. Don't even wait till the end. Do that right now, where you're, where you are. Say, Lord, I've confessed my sins. I've received your forgiveness. I've been immersed. I want the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to live inside me and out of me and transform me and to change me and to live out of me the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of whatever he wants to do with me. Claim that. Receive the Holy Spirit. So these are some of the things that we saw in the Bible that the Holy Spirit's role is and purpose is and what he does in our lives. He leads us to the Lord and in his path for us. He convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. He transforms us into God's image. He empowers us to live godly, fruitful lives for him. He seals us with God's words. He causes us to want to share God's word with others. He gives us gifts and abilities to be able to share God's word with others. And he joins us together in one body together, in unity together. I think it'd be an interesting experience this week to you know, go on a street corner somewhere or walk through a store somewhere or whatever, or call some people up or ask some people you know and say, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? I think we'll get a lot of blank looks. <laughs> or maybe they'll say, well, he makes me feel good or, <laughs> or he does this through me, you know, whatever. Uh, but it'd be very interesting to find out and come back with, with what, uh, what we find in our survey. What we see is a whole list of things. And I think for the most part, we're ignorant as a body of believers regarding all the various things, important things that the Holy Spirit does and wants to do and is doing in us and through his people. And so if there's any area of these things that you're needing the Holy Spirit to do in your life, in a moment we can pray and ask God to do that. And so whether you're needing to be led 
If you're coming upon some decision and you need some guidance, you need some direction, ask him to lead you, to guide you, direct you, show you what path he has for you, what plans he has for you. To open it up and make it clear. Open your mind so you can hear his voice, saying this is the way, walk ye in it. Opening up his word, showing you from his word. If he's been convicting you of sin, there's any area in your life that you know you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing according to the word of God. Or some area that you're not doing what you know you should be doing and you've been resisting and putting it off. That moment when we pray, confess it, surrender it, give in. Stop grieving him, stop pushing him away. Receive his forgiveness, receive the forgiveness because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. Allow him to lead you to Calvary to receive his, the forgiveness granted by Yeshua. If maybe you have confessed your sins, but you have not received the Holy Spirit to give you power and victory, walking it, walking the word, walking the life after you've confessed and been forgiven. And allow him to transform you into God's image in that area. And then in each area throughout our lives from glory to glory day by day. There's some area of the fruits of the Spirit that we looked at. Love, joy, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, gentleness, peace, self-control. Is any of those, long-suffering, is there any of those that you're missing in your life? And ask the Lord to empower you and strengthen you and to live those out of you. And maybe it's just one area. Yeah, maybe you're very kind at work, but not so nice at home, or very nice at home, but not so nice at other places. Allow it to be consistent, faithful, and consistent. Allow the Holy Spirit to live out of you, to empower you to live those fruitful lives, to be sealed with God's Word, to be consistent in God's Word, following God's Word and letting God be seen out of you. If you have not been sharing God's Word with others, if you haven't even have a burden and haven't even been concerned about your neighbor or about others, don't even know their names, don't even talk to them, don't even wave at them. Other people at work, people that God has put you in contact with. All your prayers just center around yourself. And the moment we pray, you can confess that, the selfishness and self-centeredness. And ask God to give you his mind, his heart, for the lost, for others, for this perishing world. And ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you with the gifts and abilities to reach them and to share with them in whatever way, shape, or form to speak through you and to join you together in one body. If you're not part of the body of God, you're not part of the family of God, just wandering around solo, then ask the Holy Spirit to bring you together in unity together, for God to use the gifts that he's blessed you with in harmony with others for the building up of his work, to become part of the family of God, locally and globally. So any of those areas apply to you? And let us pray together and let God do his work. Our Lord and God, ruler of the universe, thank you for pouring out your spirit upon this earth right from the very beginning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and circling this earth, watching over it, and descending upon it from the very beginning and continuing to this day. Thank you for pouring out your love and your conviction upon this world, upon us, 
Thank you for inspiring people to write your word, write the word of God, that we can have your truth. And thank you for showing us right from wrong, righteousness from unrighteousness. Thank you that there will be a judgment. Thank you that there is truth. Lead and guide and direct us into all your truth. Lead us in your path. Show us your will for our lives on every basis, on every decision. We want to be led by you. Lead us closer to heaven. Thank you, Yeshua, for forgiving us. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Holy Spirit, fill us and transform us. Empower us and strengthen us. Live out your graces in us and through us. Make us loving. Give us the ability to rejoice and have joy. Give us peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, and gentleness, goodness, self-control. Fill us with your gifts and your talents to use us as you see fit in ministering to others. Give us a passion for the lost and use us in reaching them for you. Use us in building up the body of believers and make us a, a part, an integral part of your family here on earth. That the world would see unity in us. That they might see a picture of you. And we ask these things. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Amen.